Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Tim Ritchie. He is the CEO and president of the Tech Museum of Innovation in San Jose. Welcome to today's show. Thank you, Alan. Pleasure to be here. So, Tim, uh, for, for the listeners, can you give the background of how you came to be at the place you're at today? Yes, Alan, I'm a lawyer by training, and I was practicing law in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was also volunteering in a public housing community in Birmingham, and I realized how much I enjoyed that work. So I left my law practice and worked for the next six and a half years in that public housing community where we did education programs. We ended up buying a block, creating a community garden. And at that time, I saw what a difference a place of learning could do for the kids I was working with. And a science center was being created in Birmingham called the McWayne Science Center. And I knew what a difference that could make. I then left Birmingham went back to graduate school and uh, my first job was to work with adults with disabilities and i realized my job there was to help them to get and keep jobs we created lots of businesses and we gave them employment all throughout louisville and then i got a chance to go back to birmingham and run the science center i ran that science center for about seven years and was recruited to come to the tech and the thing that connects all of those things, practicing law, working in public housing, working with adults with disabilities, and then working in science centers, is this deep belief in human dignity and the power of people to become something special. And the road to that usually is education. And oftentimes it's engaging kids and families in ways that the formal education system won't. Then there's that aspect especially the interesting time working with adults with disabilities and the essential dignity and the value of everyone. And I think that that applies in everything we do at the tech now because we have an abundance of kids that come to the tech who are full of talent, but they don't have a lot of opportunity. And that connects with why I do what I do is to try to elevate people so that they can become who they were created to become. You know, I love the way you put that, uh, working with individuals, bringing better education, lifting them to higher levels than they would have ever, you know, uh, seen before. When you, uh, when you came into the tech, uh, and, and is it okay if I just refer as, is, is the Tech Museum of San Jose of Innovation just the tech? The tech, so much better. <laughs> okay. If we had a, if we had a hashtag, it would be hashtag not a museum. Uh-huh. So that's great. Uh, okay. So, so when, when you came into the tech, what, what differences did you note between you know, the Birmingham, Alabama Center versus coming into Silicon Valley here? The principal difference is the Silicon Valley itself. So the principal asset of the tech is not something that lies within the tech, but it's Silicon Valley itself, all the intellectual capital of this community. And that is something special in the entire world. Silicon Valley is a gift to the world. It is helping create the world. And so one of the things I wanted to do is to bring all of that power and and smarts and creativity into the tech itself. Birmingham doesn't have that at this point. It has many great things in the community, but nobody has what Silicon Valley has. Now, would you say the tech is a, is a living history or it continues to evolve? Right. It is a living embodiment of where Silicon Valley is heading. It is definitely not a history museum in any way. But for instance, we try to create as many opportunities as possible for Silicon Valley businesses to have a presence on the floor in ways that are actually exhibits. So for instance, at the augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality exhibit that we're creating now, we're doing that in partnership with Oculus Rift and with Google and with Adobe and NVIDIA and the like. 
and in our biodesign studio, we do that in partnership with biotech companies to turn what they're doing into exhibits so that our visitors are using tomorrow's technology today. If I understood correctly, you had a law degree and then went back to graduate school. And and, and what, what field of the graduate? So I got a master's in public administration from Harvard's Kennedy School. And the reason I did that is I got to a point in my life where I thought I had to either go back to being a lawyer or I had to be better at managing uh, nonprofit institutions. So that's really what I decided. We picked up and we moved everything. I did not have a, a job ahead of me. Uh, The whole family put our stuff in a U-Haul and drove from Birmingham to Cambridge. And uh, we, I did the master's program there. I was convinced that I would have to end up working for Dunkin' Donuts or something. I had no idea, but was so pleased that my first job out of uh, the Kennedy School was to help adults with disabilities to, to live with dignity in the world. What amazing story. I mean, just the, the way that this whole thing evolved. And, and I'll have to say that tech is blessed for having you at the helm. Well, thank you so much. I'm busy here today with Tim Ritchie. He's the CEO and the president of the tech And uh, I need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. can't take your wealth with you. Spend time with your family. Welcome back. I'm visiting today with Tim Ritchie. He is the CEO and the and the president of the tech. And and t- Tim, the first in the first segment, you know, we established your background, how you came to where you are today. But you know, there was one comment that you made about, you know, that that the tech is continually evolving into as technology change and and you know I I, I having been in Silicon Valley for some time mm. you know, as technology changes six months ago it's already outdated how do you stay ahead of the curve as as things evolve and getting things on on display. The key is the partnerships we have with Silicon Valley businesses. So one of the mantras we have is build less and partner more. In traditional science centers, which focus on understanding the physical universe, phenomenological science, you can build an exhibit and it can be current for a long time. But in Silicon Valley, that can't happen. But it's too much pressure on our exhibits team to try to do that ourselves. So we try to have as many partnerships as possible so that they are the ones who are providing the intellectual capital. And then we turn it into an exhibit. So for instance, we have an exhibit right now uh, with mushroom mycelium, which helps visitors understand the power of biology to be technology. And mushroom mycelium can grow things like you can grow a table, you could grow packaging material. But we don't do that ourselves. We do that in partnership with a business called MycoWorks. And then similarly in our uh, augmented reality, virtual reality lab, all those things we show on the floor, we do in partnership with other businesses. We hope to do the same with technology and the environment, with artificial intelligence, with cybersecurity. If we do do those things in partnership with Silicon Valley businesses, we will be ahead of the curve because we'll be using their R&D. So when you look at the... uh uh, on the innovation right now, what trends do you see heading down the road? 
Well, definitely big data is, is the driving force right now because data is becoming everything. And that's, it's, it's showing itself up in, in medicine, it's showing itself up in entertainment, it's showing itself in, in uh, education and, and the like. So big data for sure, artificial intelligence, the environment, the collapse of the, uh, the environment, so to speak, or the challenges of climate change, um, the advances that are happening in personalized medicine, all these things are happening just in breathtaking uh, speed. You know, you mentioned also about, I'm, I'm going to switch back into this life science about growing things. Uh, yeah. You know, are there ethics involved in some of this innovation that you guys have to yes. evaluate? So there's ethics involved in every single one of them. We have a partnership with the Markleus Center for Ethics at Santa Clara University. And for instance, even this Saturday, there's going to be a talk on self-driving cars and the ethics of that. But we're always doing things with ethics in mind. So we, we have a general push to not just consider innovation, which is the practical expression of your imagination, but also the ethical imagination. So you go from what can be to what should be. That's what the ethical imagination is all about, and it applies to almost everything we do. So the tech is giving a platform to send messaging for, for your partners. Uh, who's your target audience? Target audience begins with the uh, late elementary, middle school audience. We have to be great at that. Essentially, we are in the pipeline business. We're trying to build the innovators of tomorrow, hopefully that they will bend their lives to make that innovation count for global good. But nonetheless, we are in the pipeline business, helping kids achieve their potential. And then moving out from that, there's older audience, and then moving out from that, there's the community as a whole. So it's a series of concentric circles that begins with, roughly speaking, the middle school or late elementary school student in mind, and then moving out to young professionals, and then, then to the community. I can put you on the spot. If you don't know, it's okay, but about how many kids go through the museum a year? Yes. So we'll have attendance between 400 and 600,000 a year, depending on what our exhibit mix is. Of that amount, 140,000 or so come in school groups. I would say at least half of our kids, generally speaking, uh, visitors are kids. So that would be about 200 to 250,000 or maybe even 300,000 a year. That's a great pop list there. So I'm uh, visiting here today with Tim Ritchie. He's the CEO and the president of the tech. And, and Tim, I need to take another break. Okay. And we'll be right back after these messages. I love fishing, you know, with my family. I think it would be easier to use a net. It was so much fun. The times when we are together, it makes it all, all the more worth it. Having Dad teach them how to, like, cast a fly rod and... As long as we're doing stuff together, we're having fun. Some people see a father and a son fishing together, while others see a succession plan. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Tim Ritchie. He's the CEO and the president of the tech. And and Tim, in the first segments, we're, we're visiting background. We talked about uh, you know some of the exhibits and partnerships that the tech has. But if I was to ask you to, to coin it, uh, the, the phrase, what exactly is the mission of the tech? What are you trying to do in your reach? Yeah, the mission of the tech is to inspire the innovator in everyone. And the most important word in that mission is the word everyone. We deeply believe that everyone was born a problem solver. We deeply believe that everyone can contribute. But the challenge is that many people, although they're born talented, 
Many are born without opportunities. So we want the tech to be that place where we fire their imaginations for who they can become. The tech, in a sense, is like the engine on a satellite. A satellite will go around the earth or around a body many, 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 many times without ever firing its engine. The only time you fire an engine is when you want to change position, when you want it to take a new part of an orbit or to prevent it from crashing into the atmosphere. And we're like the engine on a life. If a kid comes to the tech and the engine fires and they get a different vision for who they can become, then we've done our job. And we, that is our highest priority is to help all people have a new vision for who they can become and what they can do with their lives. You know, there in, 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 and I'm, I'm glad that you said that, that the reach is for everyone. When we look at disadvantaged youth or kids that wouldn't ever otherwise have the opportunity, uh, how do you reach out to them? Knowing that uh, although you got this mission, some of them you may not be able to get physically inside the tech. You know, is there is there an outreach program where you can bring some of the things to them or yes, online? Or? So our, our, our deepest programming comes through our professional development for teachers that work in those schools. We have a program called the Tech Academies, which is hands-on uh, professional development for teachers to help them bring engineering challenges in the classroom. And uh, that program has been going for about four years. In the next four or five years, the teachers trained in that program will be working daily with 50,000 kids. And that is gonna get engineering challenges into the classroom on a regular basis. And why is that important? Well, if you wanna inspire the innovator in everyone, the way you do that is not through rote drills on a blackboard. It's by giving them a real problem to solve, a real engineering problem to solve. And our teachers are doing that in the classroom now day in, day out, and people are discovering their problem-solving power. In the area of opportunity gap, uh, what is the tech working on if, to effectively close it? And you touched on the base there with hitting in the classrooms there, but um, how do you monitor the, the progress? And, you know, it, it seems like as this world continues that, that you know, the, the, that the gap continues to increase by the haves, the have-nots, and and trying to get that middle ground is not always easy, but how do you, is there a way you measure your progress there? Yes, we measure our progress uh, by essentially as a practical matter, we can measure our progress by how many kids we're serving and what they're actually making. So the way the tech me measures what it does, when they come into the tech or in the classrooms, they make stuff, make really interesting digital things, and they make really interesting engineering things, and we can see that we're connecting. But I think you've raised a much bigger issue too, which is with whom are we also connected? Because this is not a problem the tech is gonna solve by itself. In fact, it's not a problem any institution will solve by itself. This is an opportunity for collective impact. So we have to have deep partnerships with families. We have to have deep partnerships with schools and other community organizations. Only that kind of collective impact will make a difference. But I would say the challenge is much more in, it's much more difficult than anyone knows because the future belongs to people who can understand and use science and technology and it's happening at such a breathtaking space that if you happen to be poor now, the opportunity for you to grab hold of the future uh, is very, very short. You have to do that 
in your late elementary, early high school, that, that simple gap of about six years will define your future. And that is a very scary thing for, for us as a society to realize how many kids who are abundant with talent will miss that window. And it's an avoidable mistake. It's an avoidable loss if we as a community don't come together with collective impact and try to help these kids achieve their potential. You know, I, lo- I love the way that you, you laid that out in terms of uh, it, it's, a short, it's a short window of time. It is. And it seems that these entrepreneurs that are innovating are younger and younger and younger. And uh, a lot of people are still in the mindset they want to come out of school, look for a job, and they find out, you know, that technology has changed so quickly. What used to be true in the past is now different today. Yes, and achieving that comfort level, that understanding that love of technology as a young person, that's really probably more important than anything else. Because if you develop that comfort level, that ability to use science and technology, then you'll be able to move with the economy as it changes. But if you don't, you won't. So we touched on the we touched on the partnerships in the classroom, the teachers, and you know. But I want to jump over to the tech itself, and uh, you know, the the public may just have the perception we're going to walk through, and I'm I'm using the word that you don't want a museum because right. it's really it's a living model. But are, are there programs that uh, classes that happen inside the tech museum are tech the tech on a regular basis? So yes, there are classes and there are programs all the time, but the way to think about it is think about it as a giant, fun, awesome problem solving space. So you'll walk into the tech and you'll walk into an exhibit area and that exhibit area will give you a chance to solve a problem in a hands-on, open-ended way using technology. So for instance, we have a Uh, exhibit area called social robots where you can use basic materials to build a robot that would be some useful or our biodesign studio where you will have a problem which would be to create a virtual creature out of synthetic DNA and you be able to create that and launch it into the virtual universe and I could keep going with examples where it's it's an active problem-solving space where when you come out of it you discover one thing you discover your power to solve problems using technology. And hopefully what you discover is that you're pretty powerful and you're pretty wonderful. So we talked about you have partnerships. How does a person, a company become a partnership at a corporate level or an individual level? Right, so at the uh, the level that we're talking about, it really is subject matter dependent. So we would reach out to companies in the virtual reality, mixed reality space and invite them to be a part of the pipeline. Companies can always contribute financially, and we need to do that as well. We have a a $20 million a year budget. We have to raise about $14 million a year. So the financial contributions are hugely important as well. But the kinds of uh, partnerships that produce exhibits, those are rare and they're important. And uh, there's a couple subject matter areas where we need partners, especially technology and the environment, virtual reality, uh, soon artificial intelligence. We want to have all of that stuff flooding into the tech. And so for more information on the tech, where would a person go? Go to our website at thetech.org and feel free to reach out to me personally. I'd love to to meet some of your viewers. Tim, this is wonderful having you on today's show. Thank you, Alan. Been visiting today with Tim Ritchie. He's the CEO and the president of the tech. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. I've been visiting with Tim uh, Ritchie, the president and CEO of the tech. And and although I've closed the last segment with Tim, we were visiting over the break, and I, I couldn't let him get out of the studio without 
one final question and 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 Tim the um you know when all is said and done I, I look at you know you have a law degree you know you then went on for a graduate degree at the Harvard uh, Kennedy School and um and and then you've you've kind of gone off the grid working with disadvantaged children disability you know trying to reach a great populace and influence when everything's said and done and we're talking about Tim as an individual uh, your mission statement um, how are you going to want to have other, others talk about your success in life or what what what, what defines success for you so I'll, let me answer that by giving you a quick story. That today I got up and looked at my Facebook page and it was the birthday of a young man named Patrick Hill. I knew Patrick Hill 20 years ago in Birmingham's largest public housing project. He's now married, he has four kids, he's out of public housing. One of the reasons that happened was because we went into that community and surrounded that community with love, with education, with support and with belief. Success is many, many, many Patrick Hills getting out of poverty, overcoming challenges, and becoming something wonderful and special. And that was being married, having kids, just living a normal life, but that's light years from the challenges of being desperately poor in public housing. If I could do that over and over and over again, that would be successful. You know, I love that. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, talk about what they want to do, but you're actually walking the talk. And uh, I'd like to say it's been a delight to have you with us today on American Dreams. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure.